The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Michael Horton. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. That last verse, fear him, those who fear him, God will bless. You know, we're surrounded by fear. And when we are, we're always driven to idolatry. There's the danger of idolatry. Wherever we are afraid so much that we we make things that will help us feel secure. And that's really what our text uh, helps us with this morning in uh, Isaiah 44, last week, uh, Professor Van Drunen focused on uh, the, the many times that we're told not to fear and the reasons we're given for it. It's not just, they're there now, don't fear, uh, don't be afraid of the dark, that sort of thing. It's uh, very specific reasons why we ought not to be afraid. And that is continued, actually, in chapter 44. As you know, uh, the passages we're dealing with here since chapter 40 are a transition in Isaiah. A transition from law to gospel, a transition from indictment and sentencing to comfort, comfort ye my people. And here's what I'm going to do in the last days, and these focus on the servant who will come. Here, Israel is the servant uh, in this servant song Uh, It it is the nation. Fear not, but again, he gives reasons why. So I'll read the first part and uh, read the other sections as we go, beginning at verse 1. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Yahweh who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am Yahweh's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, Yahweh's, and name himself by the name of Israel. See, it's the vision not only of what God has done, namely that he has chosen Israel, God's people by right of election, but what he will do in the future because they are his elect. They may never even experience this. They may be among those uh, who will be whiling away the hours weeping in Babylon. But their descendants will be beneficiaries of this sprinkling of holy water upon the dry land, uh, which is metaphorical for uh, the pouring out of his spirit upon his offspring. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. Uh, they will, they'll tattoo Yahweh uh, on their hand, just as Yahweh has tattooed them on his heart. What a wonderful promise from the past in election, but also for the future, reminding us of Luke 12, uh, 32, where our Lord told his disciples, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's pleasure to give you a kingdom. It's really what 
the Lord is saying here uh, in this uh, first part of Isaiah 44. Not only God's people by right of election, but also God's people by right of providence in verses 6 through 28. And verses 6 through 8 are poetry, um, courtroom poetry. And this is an argument from prophecy, fulfilled prophecy. God is the Lord of history and providence. Thus says Yahweh, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Yahweh of hosts. I am first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, once again, fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know of not any. Um, identified as, as part of an exilic second Isaiah critical scholarship, often sees Isaiah 44 as a sort of the, the first glimpses of Israel's transition to fully monotheistic theology. Um, Klaus Westermann goes further still, not even here is theoretical monotheism necessarily denied, but just practical monotheism. Uh, there probably was belief in many gods, but in terms of practice, Yahweh alone is the God that you can count on. It's a, it's a practical claim, not a statement of fact. Well, aside from being a circular argument, it's unlikely that Israelites woke up one day as monotheists. That sort of, that sort of transition from polytheism to monotheism doesn't usually happen like between Tuesday and Thursday. Furthermore, they didn't care very much about Western dichotomies of fact and value, theoretical and practical. We shouldn't be surprised to find plenty of evidence of polytheism throughout Israel's history since that's why they were sent into exile. No surprise there. Through Jeremiah, Yahweh indicts the people for worshiping the Queen of Heaven, possibly Astarte, known in Mesopotamia as Ishtar and in Egypt as Isis. Jeremiah 7:18 reads, The children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the dough and make cakes of bread for the Queen of Heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. There's no, no dearth of idolatry in Israel. Uh, that's not a transition from polytheism to monotheism. Go all the way back to the book of Joshua where they're, uh, they have uh, little, little uh, idols jangling around in their pockets while they're swearing the oath to Yahweh. In polytheistic religions, as you know, it's, it's whatever works for you. Whatever you need, there's a God who can, who can fit that need. And I, in my travels to India, uh, I have, I've really seen that at first hand with Hinduism. Uh, you know, when Benny Hinn comes to India, they uh, set up chairs across the whole tarmac at the, at the airport. The whole airport is filled with people. He flies in, and the airport basically shuts down. Hindus love the prosperity gospel. Because Hinduism and the prosperity gospel are so similar. 
There's always a God for you depending on what you need today. What is your particular need? And if you, if you know the name of that God, you can manipulate, manipulate that God for your own purposes. But Yahweh, it was interesting is, Yahweh doesn't say here, well, that just isn't true. What's surprising here is that he kind of goes along with it. He doesn't just negate such pragmatism. He appeals to it in his polemic. So what are the gods and what do they actually do? Fine. You want, uh, you want pragmatism, religious pragmatism? What do they do? How, what, of what use are they then? Can they prophesy the future? And can they bring the future into being? That sounds pretty practical. The most the gods can do is reveal the future through divination. Even Zeus is subject to fate, as he learned tragically in his son's death. But Yahweh alone is the rock worthy of his people's confidence. Rock, as you know, is a metaphor for Yahweh in Deuteronomy 32. In the wilderness, uh, 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 the rock, God is the rock who is, is preserving Israel's life, quenching the people's thirst. And as Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, 4, and that rock was Christ. And so you see, even in his argument, how people are driven to idols out of, out of fear, out of a desire for security. And, and that makes us irrational. When we're afraid, we become irrational. I'm not going to make any applications to the present, to the present day, but uh, it's pretty clear that, that Christians in America today, by and large on the left and the right, are not telling the world that we trust in God at all. We're terrified of everything. We, we, we flinch at a shadow. Verses 9 through 20, All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do no profit. You want to argue on the basis of pragmatism? This isn't working. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. What a... What a silly occupation this is. This has to be the, the lowest uh, uh, job satisfaction rate there is. Somebody who makes these stupid idols. And then he really gets polemical. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry. And his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a, a god and worships it. 
He makes it an idol and he falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also he warms himself and says, Aha, I'm warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. One only has to say it to expose it as ludicrous. One only has to recount the actual technical steps in making an idol to show how utterly natural a process it is. How astonishing it is that a human being made by God in his image would bow down to an image he makes and pray to it and say, deliver me, for you are my God. When two minutes ago, the other half of it, he threw in the fire to warm himself. They know not, verse 18, nor do they discern. See, this is the problem. They don't know, they don't discern. They're not thinking clearly. They, they know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray and cannot deliver himself, and he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Wow, isn't that the condition of idolatry? Lacking discernment and knowledge. On one hand, we can't deliver ourselves. On the other hand, we can't seem to realize there's a lie in our right hand. Finally, thirdly, Yahweh is the Redeemer. God's people belong to him by right of redemption, not only election and providence, but now redemption. Beginning at verse 23, seeing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. See how many times God's initiative is mentioned in this section. Shout, O depths of the earth, break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of liars and makes fools of diviners, who turns wise men back and makes their knowledge foolish, who confirms the word of his servant and fulfills the counsel of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited, and of the cities of Judah, they shall be rebuilt, and I will raise up their ruins. Who says to the deep, be dry, I will dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and the temple your foundations shall be laid. I am your redeemer. Is there a rock? I know of no other. And I'm not 
Coming to judge you, I'm coming to redeem you. I have redeemed you, therefore return to me, says the Lord. I am the one who has accomplished all of this. I'm the one who formed you from the womb. I made you. You didn't make me like the idolaters make their idols. I made you. I chose you. I redeemed you. I called you to myself. I alone stretched out the heavens. I made all things. And I frustrate the signs of liars, diviners, and wise men. Clearly reference to Babylonian astrology. I, I frustrate them. I, I uh, Look at Daniel. The example of... Uh, how the magicians are frustrated, but God gives Daniel the wisdom to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he confirms the word of his servant, fulfills the counsel of the messengers. Can any of your dumb idols who cannot speak, who cannot see, who cannot foretell, can, can they tell the future and fulfill it? It's not just divining. It's not just knowing the future. Can they tell you what is going to happen because they're going to bring it to pass? But I issue prophecies, not divinations, but prophecies. I tell you what I'm going to do. I do it, then I tell you what I did. And it will be like another exodus when I speak again. Saying to the deep, be dry. I will dry up your rivers. You will pass safely through to the other side. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose. Of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. In the chapters belonging indisputably to the prophet Isaiah, nobody disputes. There's already an anticipation here of Cyrus. And yet a greater in gathering beyond him, even in chapter 9, as early as chapter 9. A greater shepherd and Messiah will come than Cyrus. It, it's always, uh, uh, as I've said in class, it's sort of like Cinderella's slipper. It kind of, kind of shoehorn it on somebody's foot, but it doesn't quite fit. And then finally Cinderella comes along and the shoe fits just perfectly. Uh, Cyrus doesn't fit all the prophecies. In, in Isaiah about about the Messiah, always just short of fulfilling these prophecies, but there is one coming who is the good shepherd, who will fulfill all of the prophecies, who will be the shepherd who will fulfill all of the Lord's purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Not a reboot of the Sinai covenant but a new covenant. Not merely the typological sacrifices, but the forgiveness of sins once and for all and a new heart. He says he will forgive Israel's sins in that day and atone for her transgressions. Your foundations shall be laid. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 is a fitting conclusion to this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him 
you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. So with that motivation, let us turn our hearts from idols, whether technology or politicians, government, uh, insurance companies, job security. Let us turn away from idols, from rocks that are nothing but trinkets we make. By right of election, providence, and redemption, God is our God. And we are his people. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing thing it is for us to be able to call you our God. You're not a, a territorial God. You're not, just, you're not a national mascot. You're not a God over this particular area or that particular season. You are the God of all the earth, of all nations and all peoples. There is no other God. And yet you have given us your personal name, Yahweh. Our God is God, the only God. What a wonderful confidence you have given us, not just by asserting it over and over, but by giving us prophecies that in becoming fulfilled actually convince us and persuade us that you indeed are the only rock and everything that we make is nothing but sand. Help us, Father, to deliver ourselves always only into your care. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California, 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.